Today we continue our series of sermons on the book of Hebrews. Last week we read from the fifth chapter, but today we're going to jump over to the eleventh chapter. Now maybe you wondered if you looked at the bullet, why is the sermon called 24? Well, let me assure you it has nothing to do with Jack Bauer, you know, that Keith Sutherland hero of the exciting long running TV series, 24. This 24 refers to the one word that you will hear 24 times in this chapter Sarah will read for you. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are invisible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning, and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received the power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had, have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, It is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead, 
and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won out strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not apart from us be made perfect this is the word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Well, Lord may the words of my mouth and and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight our rock and our redeemer Amen. What is faith? Well, for one definition, consider how Eugene Peterson rendered the definition of faith in the first two verses of this chapter in his popular translation called The Message. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth 
living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors. That is, all those heroes of the faith listed there in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. But faith is not mainly about us. God stands at the center of all discussions of faith. Faith comes at God's initiative. For God's faithfulness is shown in creation, in the Exodus story, in the covenant, and in the subsequent history of Israel. And faith is, in essence, a response to divine fidelity or God's faithfulness. Do you recall the Old Testament story of uh, two kings that were plotting to attack Jerusalem and God told the prophet Isaiah to go to King Ahaz and tell him, be still, be quiet, do not fear, but have faith in God. Well, the prophet also told the king, if you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. And if you've read the book of Isaiah or Samuel, you know he didn't. The prophet also tells us one thing that will not happen if we have faith. In Isaiah 28, Isaiah quotes God as saying, one who trusts will not panic. But faith is still more than, it's more than trust, it's more than not panicking. Faith involves hope. As we read in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. By contrast, if we don't have faith, if we don't have faith, we're sunk. You remember what happened to Simon Peter when he, he was going to walk on water to meet Jesus and when Peter noticed the strong wind, he got frightened and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We can learn something about faith just from the language, the Greek used in the Gospel of John. John never uses faith as a noun in that whole gospel. You see, for him and for us, faith is not a thing. It's not a possession. What John uses is the Greek word for to believe. In fact, in the last two verses of John's gospel, he tells us why he wrote this gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Don't you wonder what he left off? And he said, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. In the first chapter of Romans, the Apostle Paul speaks of how faith connects with the power of the gospel, saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that is, all of us Gentiles. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for 
faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And remember that James tells us that faith has a go with. It shows whether it's alive or dead. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, James writes, if you say you have faith but do not have works? If a brother or sister is naked and asks for daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and you, yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what's the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The scholar Francis Taylor Ginch has written that faith means that we are we're destined by God for redemption and that even now, all of history moves steadily toward that day when Christ will come again and God's reign will be established. What the book of Revelation calls a new heaven and a new earth. She adds that faith enables believers to live by vision of the reality of God and God's purposes for the earth. It empowers believers to move into the future with trust and confidence, knowing that the future belongs to, it's in the hands of, Almighty God. One of my favorite Bible scholars is that fellow whose name sounds like the bagel shop, but it's not. Walter Brueggemann has written that in our faith, when we talk about saints, we don't mean what popular religion has come to mean by saints. Rather, we mean men and women, boys and girls, who love the Lord and live lives that show it. About this particular chapter, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, Brueggemann has written that faith is the willingness to trust our lives and our future to God, even when, even when, God does not appear to be as reliable as some other means of support. Faith is a readiness to risk life on the promises of God without holding back. So what do we make of all those folks named in that 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is sometimes called the roll call of the saints? Well, the New Testament scholar Tom Long has suggested that all these names kind of cluster into four groups of ancestors, with each of these groups foreshadowing one of the faithful virtues of Jesus Christ. First, there were those who were righteous, that is, they had a right relationship with God, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And then the second group are those who, who journeyed in faith, Abraham and Sarah. Remember, God called them to a land and said, I'll, I'll tell you what it is later. And they still, they went in their old age. And then Isaac and Jacob also made journeys in faith. The third group were those who were tested by suffering, and those included Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and many others. And then the fourth group were kind of combinations of those first three of having that right relationship with God, being obedient in going on a journey, and being tested by suffering. Now, did you catch the last two verses that Sarah read of the 11th chapter? Did it sink in 
that for all these faith, people, faith did not pay off. It's not like a lottery ticket and they won. It didn't pay off immediately. Despite their resilient faithfulness and suffering, these heroes of the faith, these saints did, they didn't reap some promised reward yet. Listen again. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God has provided something better that they would not apart from us be made perfect. Well, on this, this is All Saints Sunday, a day when we recall not only the biblical heroes of the faith, but also those who've been faith heroes in our lives. Here at Berea, if I ask y'all to suggest somebody who's been around here who you think of as a saint, Jack Sherman's name would come up real quick, wouldn't it? Someone who led this church for nine years and who still inspires us with his gentle and giving spirit and his way of inspiring us to give. It was Jack who came up with our red wagon offering. I think of Louise Bird, who set such a wonderful example of friendliness and humor and perseverance. She didn't just say, you can't have too many friends. She made friends every time she met someone. And, and she'd tell you, too, she kept those friends. Think of Doug Hammond, whose hearty laugh, his real joy in being the closest to Santa Claus you and I will ever see. How he brought joy to young and old just with a ho-ho and a big smile. Think of Bruce Coates, whose sharp mind and quick wit and dedication to this church were blessings for us all. I think of Johnny Coates and his courage in dealing with devastating illness. I've told you before, the very first time that Betty and I talked with Johnny and Alice at their home, he told me how every Sunday Jack Sherman used to uses the call to worship that verse from the Psalms that says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Johnny told me there was just so much in his life about the disease and other. He had no control over it all. But he made it his mantra, his motto, his goal to rejoice and be glad in every day God gave him. I think of J.W. Coates and his smile with a little twinkle in his eye that you couldn't look at without smiling back at it and wondering what that twinkle was about. <laughs> of his dedication to God and to this church, of doing so many practical things that needed doing, whether it mattered, whether it's laying bricks and block or to be in the church treasurer or ringing that Sunday school bell. I used to tease J.W. and say, well, I don't want sermons to go too long because you might have to double buzz me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of y'all. Yeah, I know. You, you're going to say, you know, I try to do my best. <coughs> well, usually. But I ain't no saint. Not me. Being a saint does not mean that you're approaching perfection. It means that God loves you 
God is sanctifying you. God loves you and is making you holy. So on, all, on this All Saints Sunday, where we celebrate heroes of the faith listed in Hebrews and the, the saints who've been heroes in our own faith journeys, people who've had a right relationship with God, people who've, whose lives have been faithful journeys, people whose faith has been tested, and yet whose faith has kept hope alive because they trusted God. So consider the holy ambition expressed by this hymn. And there's a little clue along the way. You can tell it was written in England. I sing a song for the saints of God, faithful their whole lives through, who bravely labored and lived and died for the God they loved and knew. And the chorus is, and one was a doctor, and one was a queen. And another, a shepherd in pastures green. They were saints of God, if you know what I mean. God helped me to be one too. So our prayer is that God will take us as we are and summon up all that we can be. That God will set a seal upon our hearts and live in you and me. Whereas the writer of Hebrews says in the, the next chapter, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of God. Thanks be to God. May the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you and me, make us complete in everything good so that we may do God's will, working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, now and forevermore. Amen.